This week, um, I, I had a sermon planned like I always do. And the Lord began to give me pieces of truth while I'm driving down the road. He'd say something. I'd write it down. Later, I'd write something else down. Later, and I really thought that he was kind of giving me something for the future, or maybe he's just talking to me. And um, last night, Lisa was in the living room or something. She was listening to um, Kenneth Copeland's daughter was praying, and she was watching, what is that, um, something point, Copeland, um, focus, flashpoint. Folks, you need to watch that. You need to stay up on what's going on. I don't really have the time to go over all that's happening with the um, with all, with all the junk, and you need to stay on it. And um, but she began to pray, and Lisa began, and I, and I realized right then that all that the Lord was saying to me, He wanted me to to preach on it today, not to go the way I wanted to go. So I went in the room at eight o'clock at night and changed everything that I was going to do. And I said, "Give me, just help me to say this the way you want me to say it, the, what I want to do." But she made a statement. She said, we're in a political crisis. And we are. And it needs to be fixed. We're learning facts. And all the facts are good. We need to know the facts. But she said something else that I want you to hear. We're also in a moral crisis. Now, even though I believe that we need to have a strong leader in the office of president, I, be, I thank God for Governor DeSantis. I do. I thank God for him every day. And I am, I am really starting to pray now to make sure that the mayor of the city, uh, whoever's in that office, is um, conservative, God-fearing, moral. Not looking for perfect people. There aren't any. But the, what's the foundation? So that's important, and I realize it. But let me ask you a question. What would it matter if you had the best president in the world and America was still immoral? Wouldn't matter, would it? So we have a crisis going on in America today of morality, of character. And that has to change. And I want to read something to you, and I want to share with you what the Lord said to me. Let me just start by reading Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders chief priests and scribes, and to be killed and raised the third day. Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. And he said, far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, you get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, you and I read that and go, Whoa, Peter was just trying to help. No, he wasn't. The Lord said this to me. He said, my highest priority on the earth was not to go to the cross. Does that shock you? He said, my highest priority was to obey my father. Think about that a second. That's an astounding statement. Jesus lived for one reason. Father, what do you want me to do? Now, do you understand that the cross was a part of that obedience? You have to understand Jesus and his humanity didn't any more want to go to the cross than you do. Suffering is not a subject we cotton to. That's Georgian for... we. We don't hear a lot of sermons on suffering, especially in the charismatic movement. Matter of fact, I've only preached two in 32 years. This is one of them. Let's talk about, we're going to talk about suffering today. It is very much a part of your life, if you're a Christian. Jesus understood that suffering would be very much a part of his life if he was going to obey God. He already knew the cross was part of the will of God for him. Now, in his humanity, he did not want to do that. So you need to understand something. He's struggling with it just like you would. 
knowing that he's going to go to a cross. Not, not the nails. And I'm not, I'm not belittling nails. That's not the thing that bothered Jesus the most. It bothered him. Don't get me wrong. The beating, that bothered him. Becoming sin, taking the sin of the world on him, dying and going in the region of the damned for three days and trusting God to get him out. Nobody in their right mind would look at that and go, Wonderful! No, no, no. He knew it was coming. And when Peter said that, the devil was the one behind Peter saying that to get him out of the will of God. And when he said, no, Jesus, Jesus turned to him and said, Satan, you get behind me. I will obey God. It got a quite a reaction out of Jesus. Because he put his finger on something very precious to Jesus. And that's obeying God. No matter what the cost. Now, aren't you glad he did? Yeah. Boy, I'm glad he did. I, 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 listen, all of my life, I'm, you know, if, if you were a sinner when you got saved, God bless you. The worse you were, the better. I make no pretense at how I got where I am. I'm a turtle on a fence post. God put me here because outside of Jesus, I'm a Georgia redneck. I don't have good sense. And I am where I am today because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made me what I am. Praise God. I was a heathen on my way to hell. Had it not been for the cross... Had it not been for the blood, had it not been him taking my place, I was on my way to hell, do not pass, go, do not pay $200, I was toast. And at 22 years of age, I was getting real close. Already screwed up everything. So Jesus is dealing with this here, and then he makes a statement about you. Jesus turned to his disciples, say, that's me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. We don't even preach on this anymore. Whoever desires to save your life will lose it. Whoever loses your life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man as he gains the world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory with his Father and his angels and reward each one according to his works. You have a cross in your life, which is the will of God, and I'm going to say it to you right now, if you, until you decide to obey God, your flesh will rule you. The only thing that separates you from everyone else on the earth is a strong desire to obey God. Not your denomination, not your doctrine, not your gender, not your circumstances. And when you do decide that, your flesh is going to suffer. If your flesh is not suffering, you're in sin. And you're not walking with God. I don't care if you are in church. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. Listen, to, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Jesus suffered because he loved God. Listen to what I'm going to say. If you love God, you will suffer. I'm talking in your flesh. I'm not talking about your spirit. Your spirit will be full of joy. Your spirit will be full of peace. Your life will be abundant, but your flesh will go, ouch, I don't think I like this. Are y'all okay? Whether you are or not, don't matter. Hebrews, let me find Hebrews in here. In my house, Hebrews. Lisa goes, have you made coffee? I now make it the night before, so when I wake up in the morning, I can't figure out nothing, I just hit a button. All right, Hebrews, Hebrews. She's the one who looked at me one day and I said, make some coffee. She goes, Hebrews, Hebrews. I make coffee sometimes. You do sometimes. Hebrews. 
I've never seen that book, but she does. <laughs> Hebrews 5, 7. Look at this scripture right here. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers of supplication, the vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, he was heard because of his godly fear. And though he was a son, yet he, Jesus, learned obedience by the things he suffered. Do you know God had to get Jesus to the place that he'd go to the cross? Did you know that during Jesus' walk on the earth, he suffered? All people who obey God. Now, I'm going to show you how he suffered. So, not sickness and disease. He suffered misunderstanding. He suffered rejection. He suffered persecution. He suffered betrayal. He suffered, he was despised, and he was reviled. And yet, he continued to serve God. Do you know, if you have made up your mind, I'm going to obey God, that'll be your list. You think everybody's going to be happy you obey God? They will not, especially your family, because you're making them look bad. Thank you. So Jesus learned obedience by the things of his suffered. It also says he was heard because of his godly fear. Go now to John 5. 1 John 5. I'm sorry. I said John 5. 1 John chapter 5. Say, I'm ready for the rest of this. Um, folks, listen. Um, as Americans, we need this. We need this. I need this. People come to me all the time and, and say, Pastor, we want to move of God. Let me tell you something. I, I, I get it. I, listen, I was at Rama with Justin, how long ago? A month, two weeks ago. Mark Hankins was up there preaching. I went up and got in line, fell out in the power and laid in the floor, got drunk in the Holy Ghost 15 minutes, just slap drunk. I needed to get drunk. Life was not designed to go through sober. But, let me, but listen to what I'm going to say. But all of the laughing and jumping and running and screaming, it does no good if I'm selfish. If Jesus is not number one, I don't care how long you lay up here and laugh. I don't care if you want to go to another church and get drunk in the Holy Ghost because they have a move of God. If that preacher cannot cast your flesh out of you. And until you make up your mind that you're going to do something with your flesh, you do not love God. Well, that's brutal. If you're a visitor here, it was good having you. <laughs> I'm being serious. There's people today, they don't, they, don't, they don't care anything about truth. Thrill me, thrill me. Tell me how awesome that I am and thrill me. I can't sing either, so you know, don't. But I can in the shower. I sound good when the water's running. All right. <laughs> I entertain myself because if you do this for a living, you have to have fun doing this. Because if I can't have fun here, I'm just like a boring life. <laughs> I mean, ammo's getting so expensive that I have to start preaching more. <laughs> First John chapter 5, verse 3. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Yes. His commandments are not, are not burdensome. Amen. I'm going to say it. Just hold your horses. What Jesus did for you at Calvary, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, is God's love for you. Yes. Amen. What you do in obedience is your love for him. He will never do anything about your side. Yeah. If you're not willing to do something with you after the new birth, you do not love God. You love you. I came to Jesus so I can go to heaven. 
I would hope you're deeper than that. That's right. Woo, it's quiet in this Episcopalian church. Who am I going to pick on this week? Okay. Let's look at another one. First John 3, verse 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because he is good. Oh, no. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, no, no. What? Well, I hope y'all are reading because I'm, I'm reading from the reverse translation. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. There's a part of you that you can come to church and read your Bible and sing hallelujah all you want to and God will never turn his face to you. Until you go, what do you want me to do? Don't read your Bible to understand it. Don't read your Bible because it's your Bible time. Read it to do it. Anything short of that is sin. Read it to do it. You say, I don't understand it. Don't need to. I do not understand phones. I, I, I have no idea how they work. I give mine to Justin and he goes, oh, that's easy. He gave me some of these things the other day. You put them in your little white things. And the other day I was watching Jonathan Shuttlesworth's wife on my phone and I got a phone call. And I blurted out, hello, and it answered the call. And it switched to, you know, like, I have no idea how the little white things in my ear did that. But it's still cool. I did it. I did it. I did it. I'm cool. I'm, I'm now Vogue. So I can walk through the airport and talk to myself and go, and I'm really talking to somebody. Or I pretend like I am. But I don't understand it. You don't have to understand the Bible to do it. I had a man one time say, I don't understand the Bible. I said, love is patient. That's all you need to know this week. I just buried you. He went, oh, crap. Amen. <laughs> Never mind. There's one scripture on love that if you keep it, you'll be a good Christian. Do to others exactly the way you want to be treated. If you don't know nothing in the Bible but that scripture, you will live right. When you hate something someone does to you, mark it and you stop. <laughs> it won't take you long to figure out you ain't doing too good. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Apart from that, you don't have a Christianity. Wow. Jesus suffered because he loved God. You will never suffer until you have decided to obey. That is loving God. Obedience is love. I have a book here. It's my journal. And I, I, whenever I find something I really like, I, I glue it in or paste it in or write it in. I want to read something to you from William Booth, the head of um, Salvation Army. The chief danger in the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without a hell. There is no Christianity without obedience to God. And if you're going to obey God, your flesh will suffer. As a matter of fact, Romans 12.1, let me stop right here and Read that to you. I, wanna, I didn't read it last time, and I want to read it. Romans 12, 1.
I like to read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable servant. A, a living what? Kill it. Slay it. All of that junk in your flesh that's not God, kill it. Your spouse is waiting on you. The real purpose of becoming a Christian, this is John G. Lake, is not to save yourself from hell or to be saved to go to heaven. It is to become a child of God with the character of Jesus Christ and stand before men. That's the purpose of Christianity. That was what Jesus came to do. I've got another quote here. It's going to take me a little bit longer to read it. It says, this is written by A.W. Tozer. All unannounced and most undetected, there has come in the modern times a new cross into popular evangelical circles. It looks like the old cross, but it's different. The likenesses are superficial, but the differences, they're fundamental. The new cross does not slay the sinner. It redirects him. It gears him into a cleaner, jollier way of living and saves his self-respect. The self-assertive says, come and search yourself for Christ. The egotist says, come and do your boasting in the Lord. And the thrill-seeker says, come and enjoy the thrill of Christian fellowship. But the Christian message is slanted now in the direction of the current vogue in order to make it acceptable to the public. But the old cross was a symbol of death. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. He's not coming home. I I got something I want to say to you. The cross made no compromise, modified nothing, spared nothing, slew the man completely and for good. The faith of Christ does not parallel the world, it intersects it. In coming to Christ, we do not bring our whole life into a higher plane, we leave it at the cross. The corn of wheat must fall in the ground and it must die. God offers life, but not an improved old life. The life he offers is a life out of death. It stands always on the far side of the cross. What does this mean to the individual, the condemned man who would find life in Christ? How can this theology be translated into life? Simply repent and believe. Forsake your sins and forsake yourself and cover nothing, defend nothing, excuse nothing. I remember, and I'm going to say this to you right now for the ones of you that have not heard it. I got born again November 16, 1975. I was on probation for a felony with the, with the state of Georgia, and I was, uh, I was out of jail. And if they ever caught me doing anything, I'm going back. Right. I got chased by dogs one night, deer hunting at night. For some reason or another, they frowned upon that type of thing. And uh, the thing that motivated me all night long was I didn't want to go to jail. So the, when right after that, I had a prayer meeting with God in the woods that night as the dogs were chasing me. I did not feel like Cool Hand Luke, and I wished I'd had some, some cayenne pepper, but I did not. Never mind. The ones of you who didn't see the movie, you don't know what I'm talking about. He used cayenne to throw the dogs off. Anyway, um, somewhere along the lines of being chased through uh, over barbed wire fences, through gullies, and through swamps all night in Georgia, I had a talk with God, and I said, I sure need help. Well, it wasn't long he took my word and got me to a crusade where I met Jesus. At 22 years of age, This is the conclusion I came to. I can't go back. I didn't get saved to go to heaven. I I got saved because I was hell. And if he was going to love me enough, I laid my life on the altar. I said goodbye. I got the drugs out, the playboys, the rock music. If it didn't look, walk, talk, or smell like Jesus, I threw it in the trash. And I got a Bible out. I even quit watching Clint Eastwood movies for 10 years. I just threw it away. I made up my mind, it's going to be Jesus or nothing. I already knew enough that I didn't have enough sense to know what I was doing. And if he was going to have mercy on me, I'm giving him all. Plus, I didn't have much to give him anyway. It's a mess. I had another instance in my life not too long ago, and I'm going to stop right here and tell you about it. Because every one of us in this room have times that we're faced with our will. Our will. Your will. God does not want to bless your will. He wants you in his. Went to Ramah. 
listen to Kenneth Copeland, I got kind of a romantic notion about ministry, hearing about airplanes and prospering financially and being blessed coming in and blessed going out and the anointing of God and people being saved, healed, lived, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I got to experience all of that. I got to experience another side of God. He wants me. During all of that time, um, I went through a divorce. Che's mother and I divorced. The youth group I was with, they asked me to kindly leave. They don't need a youth pastor to unmarried. And I'm back losing wife, kids, and church all in one month. Everything I ever believed in, I lost. I lost everything in the middle of the, what I call the will of God. I'm not real happy with God. Look what this costs me. I've been serving you. So for two years, I did not, I, I didn't backslide. I didn't smoke dope, drink beers, chase wild women. I just didn't do what he wanted me to do. That's called backsliding. You may not agree with that, but it is. Amen. I'm going to church. I'm praying in tongues. I'm reading Bible every day. One day, I'm driving down the road. Two years later, I'm miserable as H. Can't cuss. We're in church. Where do we get in the foyer? I'm praying and praying and praying. I want so much to be in the will of God my way. Just listen to me very carefully. We'd, we've all guilty of this. And I said, and the Lord, finally the Lord. Now let me tell you something about him. If he waits two years to talk to you, and a thousand years is as a day, that's scary. <laughs> He might wait a thousand years to talk to me again. I'm thinking, dear Lord, well, your patience, just there's no end to it. I'm driving down the road in my little 76 Toyota Hilux. And the Lord speaks to me and says, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I said, what do you want me to do? Who's driving this conversation? I am. I, I, make, I, I, I want to be the deciding factor. That's not submission. And he said to me, he said, I'm not going to tell you. Now, he thinks he's God. That should rattle you a little bit like, I think he is. Yeah, he is. He said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. I said, well, I don't know what you want me to do. He seems to think it doesn't matter. See, you know what I'm afraid of? Suffering. Yeah. If you're going to obey God, you're going to suffer. And I don't want to suffer. Nobody in this room wants to suffer. You know why you have marriage problems? You don't want to suffer. It's, you're suffering when you keep your mouth shut. Amen. You're suffering when you're doing good to someone and they're mean to you. That's suffering. Thank you. You know, the only reason your marriage goes good is because you love God. Uh, Lisa's not worthy of me. And I'm not worthy of her. I love her because I love God. And she loves me. Not because I'm so great. Because she loves God. If it wasn't for her love for God, we'd have a bad marriage. But she treats me good because she loves the Lord. And I treat her good because I love the Lord and she's really pretty. <laughs> and it's really hard to find a pretty worship leader. And you know, if you want one that stays, marry one. Never mind. I just... Some of y'all will go, I think I get that. Not only that, she does the books and everything else. She's really good. And where was I? Talking about me. You were suffering. I'm always suffering. <laughs> no, I don't forgot where I was. Huh? You were in your Hilux Toyota. Yes. Running down the road. Oh, yes, the Hilux. So the Lord says to me, I want you to do what I want. And I, and I said, I, I finally stopped, and I just began to weep. And I said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what you'll ask me to do. Let me stop right here and make a statement to y'all. Did you know pastoring is hard? 
I wanted to be an evangelist so I can blow in, blow up, and blow out. I don't have to put up with you. Do you know what it's like to pastor people who lie? I'll be there forever. They don't. You get someone on the band and they have a fit and they leave. You find another one and they have a fit and they leave. You have someone in the nursery and they say they're going to be there. Next week they call in. Someone came to town. They don't come. They lie. Do you think we don't suffer? You better believe we do. Do you think I wanted that? Oh, heck no. I've quit this church more than you have. You know what keeps me here? I love him. I'm going to obey him. And it's been good. I won't, I mean, I'm just, I'm belaboring it, but it's been good. I've made the best friends. There's been seen more people saved and healed. And the good far outweighs the few little things I'm talking about now. The, just to watch the kids get born again, people's marriages get turned around. It's, it's, it's awesome. But, but I'm glad that I obeyed him. But I'm going to tell you that day on my truck, I, I, I had a fight with him. And I said, I, I'm afraid. He says, trust me. Folks, I had to bow over that steering wheel and go, I'll go where you say go, and I'll do what you say do. I died. I died. It was the end of me. To me, that's scary, but it was my resurrection. There is no resurrection without death. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it abides alone. God is waiting. Abraham, do you not understand that God tested him? Take the son of yours and take him to the top of a mountain and slay him. Do you not understand that God will test your, your love? He will test it. Because you're not getting promoted without passing test. Thank you, Lisa, for that. Amen. Where was I? 1 Corinthians... The other day I was reading my love book. This is my book. I told Lisa not to bother it because I actually need it more than she does. I've been reading this scripture for God knows how long, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long, and I've always read that as love is patient. You know what that means? In traffic. Do you all know what it's like to be in traffic and you're sitting in the left line and, you're, and the cars are leaving and the light turns green and the car at the front of the line takes a good three, four, five seconds to just decide to go through it. And you're back there waiting and you're thinking, no, love is patient, love is patient, love is patient. And you're you're going to honk and you're... And they move. And the next car goes, Shandai... Should I go too? <laughs> and they want to make sure the cart is a good 100 yards down the road before they even begin to move because they don't want to cause an accident. And three people go through the light and it changes. And you're 12th. <laughs> and you're like, mmm. Some of y'all go home to New York. Dear God. Never mind. And so I've always read that as love is patient. But the literal reading is love suffers long. And you know what that means? Love suffers. If you're going to walk in love, your flesh will suffer. If you're going to love people, your flesh is going to suffer. Being quiet when you want to say something. Being nice when they're ugly. So, i got to tell a story. I'm going to anyway. Say amen. Tell the story. All right. The other day, Justin and I had the great joy of hanging around a couple of people that we don't like. Lisa and I have agreed. Justin and I agreed we don't like them. Now, the reason we don't like them is because the two of them conspired to say something ugly about Justin when he was a boy. 
he was a boy. And they didn't know him anyway, and they decided to start a little rumor about him. And then I got in the middle of it, and they said something about me, and we decided we will never talk to them again. <laughs> and then I picked up this book, and I went, eh. So the other day, Justin and I were in a meeting, and I turned to Justin and I said, what do you say we kill him? <laughs> and Justin said, let's do it. <laughs> now here's the, here's the joke in our family. What that means to the Morgans is we will kill you with kindness. Yeah. So I walked up and got behind him, and I put him in a sleeper, but not, but not totally. I put my arm around him. I did not crank on it. And I said, hey, brother, how's it going? He turned to me and went, hey, Daryl. I said, how are you doing? His wife turned. I said, how are you doing? She goes, we're doing good. And we just conversed. Now, you understand? I'm suffering. I no more want to be talking to this guy than I want to hold in my head another one. In my flesh. And then they brought up. Where are y'all going to lunch? And I'm going. We're not eating today. Love suffers long. Fasting. <laughs> Love suffers long and is kind. Does not behave unseemly. Seeks not its own. Not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. I said, we're going to Cheesecake Factory. And they said, can we come? And I said, absolutely. We got there early. We got their water. I paid the bill. Oh. Folks, listen, listen. If you're going to obey God, you're going to suffer. This works at home. Gentlemen, listen to me. You come home and the, 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 the kitchen's full of dishes. Wash them. Amen. Amen. That woman, the floors are dirty. You know where the mop is? Amen. What's for dinner, honey? I'm tired. Take her out. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record. Hardly notices when the other person does it. You're not married to a perfect person. This has nothing to do with her. This has to do with me and him. Does that make sense? The day you decide to obey God, your marriage will straighten up, but I'm going to tell you something. Your flesh is going by the wayside. You're going to take it to the altar, and you're going to kill it. You're going to have desires in you, and you're going to say, I'm going to kill you. Someone says, who are you talking to? You say, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This is good. I know. Um. Okay. Am I doing all right? America, we need this. I, I, I need this. You know, I'm, I'm tired of trying to fix everybody. Aren't y'all? Aren't y'all just tired of trying to fix everybody? I decided to love you and just leave you to God. I got another little book by Andrew Womack, and it's very small, and I'm glad, because it's so brutal. And I know that y'all aren't reading it, so I'm going to read it to you, because nobody in their right mind would go out there and get a book on selfishness and pull it off the shelf and read it, because God knows you don't need it. (laughs) 
Self-centered people are easily offended. Before I go, I've been offended. Uh, Listen, everybody in this room has been offended somewhere. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at us. It is just flesh to be touchy. Okay. Self-centered people are easily offended. They find ways to get upset over the simplest, silliest things. They process, they proceed down a well-traveled path to depression, discouragement, and defeat. Why? They're consumed with their self. That's why we act the way we act. If you would take a step back and be objective when you start sliding into another crisis, you could save yourself a lot of grief. Ask yourself a very hard question. Where do I stand on this and why am I defeated? Has my self, self, self been stepped on? Now, I've asked myself that. I didn't like the answer because I lied to me. (laughs) Daryl, are you the problem? No. Okay. Y'all are, y'all, y'all just, okay. If you deal with yourself like this when your feathers get roughed, many of your crisis would cease to be crisis. Dead people don't feel a thing. You, you can do all kinds of mean things to a corpse without a response. Kick it. Spit on it. Slap it. It will not retaliate. It's dead. <laughs> Nikki, are you having a revival all by yourself? You and Paul sitting there. You know, I don't. I want marriage classes after marriage, because before you get married, I call you in the office and I go, "We're in love, we're in love. He's the greatest thing." And I'm like, "Well, can I see you in a month?" Why did I marry him? What was I thinking? (laughs) All the rest of you people have been married a while going, amen. And all the rest are like. (laughs) Why then are you hurt so easily when someone says or does something to you? Why do you have so many problems in your relationship Plain and simple, pride is alive in you. If you can't be corrected, you're full of pride. Why don't, when someone says you're wrong, why do you have to defend yourself? Could it be you really are wrong? It's quiet in here. Why didn't you know what I did in my head? You don't know what I began through today. I know what's wrong with you now. I'm talking about Joyce Meyer. She talks about that. Only by pride comes contention. But if you never learn anything, learn that. If you've got bitterness, hurt, and anger, it's you. It's you. Until you take a knife to it, it's still alive. God's word leaves no room to sidestep your responsibility. You might as well face it sooner than later because there is no other reason. You weren't born that way. It's not your responsibility. You weren't born that way. It's not your personality. It's not your circumstances that are to blame. Contention came in your life because of pride. Pride is not a leading cause. It's the only cause. How many of you think, I need to get the knife out now? All right. Our prototype, Jesus, lived by faith. He never operated out of divinity while on the earth. Christ lived his life before as a man and faith in God. While being crucified, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I was up there going, they know exactly what they were doing. (laughs) I got another page, and I still got 11 minutes. Let's talk about children. Human beings are selfish creatures by nature. As a newborn baby, you came in the world self-centered. Mom labored hours for you to arrive safely. 
She was very tired and been living in a degree of discomfort for nine months with you. Perhaps even a couple of nights you passed since she'd gotten, she'd gotten good rest, but then you don't care. Immediately upon arrival, you announced your demands with a big, powerful, This continued as your parents took you home, got used to you. Anytime you felt like you had a need, Mommy, you better be there and I'm going to let her know. You feed me now. You change my diaper. You hold me. I don't want a bath. I'm tired. And you were the center of the universe. You know that 18 years was designed by God to get that out of you so that you would be ready for marriage. And if they did not, Pity the poor sucker who marries you. Do a little marriage counseling now, Lisa. <laughs> Nobody else existed until they met your needs. That's expected and acceptable behavior for a baby, but not when you're 20, 40, and 65 years of age. Biblical parenting involves dealing with your child's self-centeredness. Life is not about you being served all the time. Children need to learn that it's in giving that you receive, and they must be trained to serve others well. That's really the, the reason for church, is for you to come in here and go, Ow! Did your parents impart this into your life, and are you building this into your children? Most parents have a tough time addressing their children's self-centeredness because they've never really dealt with it on their own. In the heat of the moment, not correcting Junior seems easier for mom and dad's flesh. A woman was busy in the grocery shopping with her toddler. Right in the middle of aisle nine, the child boldly declares, I want that. Calmly but firmly, mom says, no, you're not going to have it. Back and forth they go. His voice gets higher and higher, and finally he screams, I want it. Seeing a need to be more pressure, the toddler throws himself on the floor and has himself a temper tantrum. Do you know what most self-centered parents do? They give in to the child because of their own selfishness. They don't want unwanted attention. Everybody's looking at me and they gives the kid what they want. I'm going to say this about my kids. I mean, I, mean, I know they're not perfect. Jordan heard me preach this morning and got up and ran out. And Che's in here and... They still scream about how bad I was, but they turned out pretty stinking good, didn't they? All of my boys challenged me once. Only once. They had their moment. When I finished with them, they were in the room seeking God. It would take a long time for them to figure out, we're going to do something with your flesh, and you're not going to live this way. Amen. Where do I go from here? First Peter chapter 2. Say, are you closing? This is the first of many. First Peter chapter 2. Starting with verse 18. Servants, we would say employees... Be submissive to your masters. Now that word, we hate that word today. I submit to nobody. Justin and the boys, when they're talking to girls, they bring up one question as a test. Will you cook for me? Based on the answer... They've written many a girl off. <laughs> Women, teach your daughters to cook. I didn't say they had to do all the cooking. Just teach them to be a woman. If, they've, if, if they're 18 and never been in your kitchen, you're not doing well. And I just got all the women in the church mad at me just now. And all the men are going, yeah. You would not believe the girls that have seen Justin turn and go, do you cook? No. Check. 
you are not the one. <laughs> I ain't your servant. <laughs> How am I doing, Justin? You can give me that. You can give me that twenty dollars later. You can just give me my twenty dollars later. First Peter two eighteen. Servants be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only the good and the gentle, but what about the harsh? What about people you work for? This is commendable if because of conscience toward God, you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. We live in a world. How are you going to handle it when your boss and people around you are not nice? How are you going to act? What credit is it when you're beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? When you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. I got a call of God on my life. We will see. You know why God puts you in an imperfect church with imperfect people? To develop you. You don't need a perfect pastor. You need me. Because if you can love me, you can love anybody. I'm like a cowboy movie. Sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm bad, sometimes I'm just a little bit ugly. But mostly good. Verse 21, to this you were called, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth, and when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. How did he live his life when he was mistreated? Very well. Never changed him. Never stopped loving him. Never stopped caring, never stopped obeying God because of the way people acted. His whole focus, Father, what do you want me to do? What a way to live your life. Isn't this good? Yeah. It's a good way to have a marriage, I guarantee you that. Let's look at 3 9, 1 Peter 3 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling or reviling, on the contrary, blessing, knowing you were called to this that you may inherit. A blessing. God's not taking you up until you pass some test. You say, well, I'm glad I don't have that job anymore. Your next one will be worse. You're going to learn to get along with people. Amen. When I... When I I knew I had a call of God on my life, and God put me as a mason with all black people. Now, nothing wrong with black people. I'm not racist. But I never had black friends. I knew nothing of black people. How many of you think it would be a good idea if I met black people before I started pastoring? So he puts me on a crew, and everybody's black, and I'm the only white guy there. Ask me how that went. Not real well. Because they decided that I was going to be their mouse. And I'm going to catch it for every bad thing any white person ever did. They didn't harm me. They just weren't nice. I got mud thrown on my boots instead of my mud board. I got, I mean, you know, you're talking about black-white jokes. I've heard them all. Mostly white. You know why we call you honky? Because you don't get out of your car when you come into our house. You sit outside and just honk, honk, honk. Why don't you get out of your car? <laughs> don't worry, I didn't hurt at all. But over three years of working with those guys, I made a lot of friends. I learned a culture I didn't know. I learned that they weren't black, they were people. They had names, they had families, they had a real life, they had concerns. And God wanted to use that to train me. But listen, I suffered. Yeah. <laughs> I hated getting up and going, I can go to work today. I don't want to go to work. Get me a new job, God. Please get me a new job. I want another job. <laughs> get me another job. Go to work. Shut up. Yeah. 
put up with it, tolerate it. Quit being a big fat baby. When I left, half of them were born again, speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost, and loved Jesus. Amen. And they almost killed me. I'm going to tell you right now, I thought I was going to die someday. But it was a part of my life. God will put you places and you'll be uncomfortable. Y'all know how exciting y'all look from here. <laughs> First Peter 4.1 Since Christ suffered for you in his flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. He who has suffered in his flesh has ceased from sin. You know, one of the ways God trains you is to put you places you are not comfortable. What's he doing? He's getting the selfishness out of you. That's good preaching, isn't it? What do you think about that? Have you ever had a tough time? Just a little bit tough? Just a little bit? Just a little bit. He's too serious for me. I don't know what to do with him. I got to come over here. How many of you would say to me right now, I've had some pretty tough times. Did they make you better? They either made you better or bitter. I don't mean that God does bad things to you. I'm not talking about God doing bad things to you. I'm talking about leaving you in a circumstance to let you grow up. And your flesh, walking in love is going to crucify your flesh. Love is patient. It's not self. It's long suffering. That means it suffers a long, long time. And it's kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not boastful, vainglorious, haughty, conceited, inflated with pride. Everything in the love is the death of your flesh. And you won't do it if you don't love God. There's no motive outside of, I'm going to obey you. Now, everybody in this room right now, I don't care about your past, your background, how much Bible you know, don't know. If you don't love, if you're not obeying God, you'd, I don't care who you are, you don't love him. The key to life is loving God. You can love God and be a mess, and he'll take care of you. Why do you think the Bible says that if you have not love? He doesn't care if you have all knowledge. I'm in the rhema. God don't care. I know more Bible knowledge than anybody. God just don't give a rip if your love walks not there. They don't care whether the Holy Ghost is oozing out of your fingers. People are being healed because you point at them on the other side of the intersection. If you're hard to get along with, you don't amount to 10 cents. Amen. Come on, y'all. My highest goal in life is not to have a move of God. My highest goal is not to grow this church. My highest goal is not to buy a house on the lake. My highest goal is to please God. That's my highest ambition. Walk with God and hear well done, good and faithful servant. Whatever he says do, whatever he says go, however he says do it. And I know in the middle of it, there's going to be some tough times for me and he's going to expect me to walk and grow up and obey him. Folks, that's not always easy. I wished I could get all the young people together right now and look at them and go, if you're 20-something years of age, I I, I could help you. Put him first. Life is hell if he's not number one. If you're here today and you say, you're really stepping on my toes, it's okay. Can Can I ask you to do something? Just you and God. Why don't you start making up your mind that you are going to put your flesh under and you're going to put... Forget everybody. Forget your husband. Forget your wife. Forget what's... Just forget everything around you. It doesn't matter. How are you doing? 
I, I, I don't even care whether you like me or disagree with me or anything. That's just irrelevant. We're not talking about anything. Just you and God. If your flesh is ruling you, you're a mess. And things will not get better. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He'll lift you up. Let's go back to a statement I made when I started. Jesus' highest goal is not to go to the cross. Just please God. And the day you make that goal is the day you have peace and joy and you sleep at night. Whatever. I told God one day, I said, when you're done with me, take me home. I just want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to do what Justin wants me to do. I don't want to do what Lisa wants me to do. I don't want to do what you want me to do. I just want to do what he wants me to do. What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? That sometimes is difficult because sometimes he'll say, I want you to preach this. And I already know that ain't going to go over well. If you want people to love you and like you, you're not going to please God. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. We've had a good time in church. I love Sunday. I love times like this when I can gather together with your sons and daughters and saints. I've taken the message you gave me to the best of my ability. I hope I did good with it. I'm, I'm sure there's a certain amount of my humanity in this. But the scriptures are true, and I pray that every one of us in this room would walk out of here today and go, America needs a revival of morality. And I can't fix anybody, but I can sure do something with myself. Father, there's marriages in here right now. They need this. The woman needs to learn. Submission is not a bad, dirty word. Please, God. The man needs to learn loving his wife is the greatest thing he'll ever do. Children need to learn to obey parents because God said so. This nation needs to learn to honor God again and to fear God, respect Him, love Him. I ask you to bless every person in the sound of my voice. Those that are watching online, Help them and bless them. Take this message and sear it into our consciousness. That what we do after we're saved is very important. And I give you the glory and honor for everything done in this place and all the people that are here. And I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to church. I'm going to turn this over to Lisa. You guys have a good day. If you decide to come back next week. I can promise you it'll be God. It may, I don't know where we're going to go, but we'll, it'll be God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has already been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So you're not trying to maneuver something up when you read 1 Corinthians 13. It's just telling you who you are because you're in God and God's in you. So, so don't say, I can't do that. It's impossible. God's in you. When you got born again, the love of God came in you. The ability to do what you cannot do for yourself. Amen. As my altar workers come forward this morning, if you're here today and you would like prayer for any reason, we just want you to go ahead. We're going to take the time with you. If you've never made Jesus Lord, you are on your way to hell. Not because I want you to go there. Not because God doesn't love you. It's because he gives us a right to choose. He wants you to love him. He wants you to accept what his son shed his blood for you because you want to accept that. He doesn't want you to be a robot. Amen. So Jesus dying, he died for everyone, but it's not automatic. You have to accept that and say, Jesus, you died for me, and I accept your blood shed for me and forgiveness of sins. Amen. And if you never remember a time doing that, please come up here today and get that solidified today. Amen. And if you're here today also, and you're like, you know what? I have strayed. I have, I've strayed from the faith. I've done. It doesn't mean you're not born again.
sometimes you just need to come up and rededicate. You can do that many times. You can do that at your bedside. You can do that. Sometimes it just helps you doing that with a group of people going, okay, Lord, you're empowering me. Forgive me. Rededicate, reconsecrate. And that's why these are here. If you need healing, if you need agreement in prayer, Jesus said that whatever you ask the Father in my name, any two shall agree, it shall be done for you, for my Father in heaven. So come up here. We want to spend time with you. Don't just rush out if you need prayer. If you're here with someone that you know they need prayer, you come up with them. You say, come on, go with me. I'm going to pray with you, with them. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.